Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. My name's Stuart, I'm the Minister at St Ninian's in Stonehouse, which is in Scotland. We are a local ecumenical partnership between the Church of Scotland and the United Reformed Church and that means we reflect both traditions in our work and worship. So let's listen to our reading for this week and then get on to the sermon. Psalm 146 Praise for the Lord, righteous acts Praise ye the Lord Praise the Lord, O my soul While I live, will I praise the Lord I will sing praises unto my God While I have any being Put not your trust in princes Nor in the Son of Man In whom there is no help His breath goeth forth and returneth to earth And that every day his thoughts perish Happy is he that hath God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all therein, and which is keepeth true forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord loseth the prisoners, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, and the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fearless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even the God of Zion, until all generations praise ye the Lord. And the second reading is James 1, 19-27. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart the, the filthiest the superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be you, you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth this way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, be, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this means man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain." Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. Amen. There's an old saying, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Interestingly, the old saying doesn't say what that reason is, but I'm guessing it's to do with listening twice as much as you speak, and I know that some of you wish I would pay more attention to that. The letter to James that we heard read seems to agree. It says, not that I should shut up, but it says, let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak. And James gives a reason. Be slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. On this day of all days, we should pay heed to that advice. 
we're being urged in this letter to be considerate and considered. Considerate of others and considered in our response. It's been widely observed that these days we don't seem to be very good at disagreeing. There's lots of argument. But what seems to happen more and more is that we take sides. And once a side has been taken, we shout at each other across the divide in the middle, always talking and never listening, almost never considerate or considered. Positions become entrenched. Ammunition is gathered and deployed to cause maximum damage. Casualties are simply the cost of being wrong. Isn't it interesting how we use the language of war when we talk of disagreements? As if there's no other way to disagree than to fight. No outcome worth having but victory. For the first time in a long, long time, we find ourselves in the middle of a general election campaign. A campaign. There's that language of war again. And it's Remembrance Sunday. The lines have been drawn between the parties. Sides have been taken. I wonder how many of our politicians will pay attention to this advice that we read today in the book of James and actually listen. Listen to one another. Listen to the people that they seek to represent. It all seems so adversarial. And here, I think, is the problem. We can't imagine how or why someone else would think differently from us. We can't, or rather, we won't take the time to consider them and their position and how they came to think that way. Although in some way, we might be, at least in part, why they feel like that. Or that they might be right, and we might be mistaken. Or that the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle of all of that. It just seems that everybody's really, really angry. And James warns us against that. Because when we're angry, we lash out. When we're angry, we say things that we regret. When we're angry, we don't want to give in. We don't want to compromise. And we certainly don't want to be seen as weak. And those things are very far from righteousness. Righteousness is one of those words that's been co-opted for use in other ways now, usually to describe my position as being superior to yours. But that's not what righteousness actually means. It's certainly not the way that it's used in the Bible. Righteousness is about right living. Nowadays, that boils down to being morally right and justified somewhere up there on your high horse. But in the time that James is writing, righteousness was a verb, a doing word, as much as it was an adjective. And he says this, be, be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word but not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and then when they go away, they immediately forget what they look like. But those who look at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they'll be blessed in their doing. 
I love the part in the middle of that. Those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they look like. Isn't that so true? I wonder if we had to describe ourselves accurately whether we could. I wonder if somebody got a photo fit thing and we had to tell a sketch artist or somebody to, to, to describe what we looked like. I wonder if we could. I wonder if we could describe our character. We talk about living our best life, putting your best foot forward, showing your best side. But what about the rest? What about the parts that aren't the best bits? What do we do with them? And why on earth would we want to share those with anyone when everybody around us looks as if they're all having such a sorted, perfect life? Burns talks of the gift to see ourselves as others see us. A gift to see ourselves as others see us. I think that's absolutely terrifying. But of course he's right. Even though it might be difficult and involve some hard and painful truths. Listening's about paying proper attention, isn't it? About hearing the words but also about hearing the bits between the words, the unsaid things, the body language, the silences, the, the bits between the lines. Listening's about seeing behind the mask that we present, the facade that we all give to the world. History tells us that the First World War was about empire. It was about the old powers and one last battle for superiority. It was supposed to be an old-fashioned war. Ranks of infantry were supposed to line up on either sides of a field and single-shot rifles were supposed to fire at each other and whoever was left standing at the end would be the winner. Or the cavalry on horseback would attack. Nobody realised that, that war had become industrialised. Nobody knew what that would look like. Nobody knew how to win such a war. By the time the Second World War came along, at least some of the conditions for that war were a failure to make a just peace from the first one. The Allies punished their foes, I suppose trying to dissuade them from doing it again. But we all know that when we feel as if we've been punished beyond the crime that we committed, we feel resentful. We don't learn our lesson. We go to a room and we stew and we plot revenge. And it's an easy story to tell, isn't it? Your hardship is their fault. Put your trust in us. We'll get rid of them. We'll make things better. We can get things back to how they used to be. It turns out that doing peace is much harder than doing war. I wonder as most of us move on further and further from an actual personal experience of war, if our remembering actually becomes more important. 
There are fewer and fewer people around today who can tell us exactly what it was like when the world was dragged into slaughter on an industrial scale, when ordinary men and women became cannon fodder or collateral damage. One of the stories of war that we perhaps don't hear, maybe because we're so busy talking about our part, our success, our victory, is how did it come to pass that people just like us, just like us, were convinced to do things that we think we would never do, to follow leaders that we think we would never follow, to hate people that we think we could never hate. When the voices of those who really remember what it was like are no longer in the majority, those same old whispers re-emerge. Whispers of blame. Whispers against them. Rumors about those people who are not the same as us. In religion or colour or race or culture. That somehow they threaten our way of life, our way of thinking, our freedoms. It's one of the great mysteries of the modern age that we have so much information and yet so little wisdom. Perhaps, perhaps it's because we talk so much and listen far too little. We find ourselves in a moment of change, perhaps great change. And like all moments where something is ending and something new is trying hard to emerge, it's a time to be wary, a time to be watchful, to listen intently to what's being said, and to measure that against what we know of righteousness, God's righteousness. The same righteousness that lays down a challenge. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, said Jesus. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And so on days like today, we stand in silence to remember, to put back together our memories, to reassemble history. And as we're silent and listen, we hear those voices from the past who tell us again and again and again, that war is truly awful. And as we're silent and listen to those voices from the past, we wonder what happened to them. To give oneself for another is a good and noble thing. To sacrifice someone's life for gain and power is the very definition of evil. James writes, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, God the Father, is this, to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by this world. We are called to live differently. Our striving should be to see each other, each person, each individual as our sister or our brother, 
not as strangers or opponents or enemies. And then we hear our sisters and our brothers and really listen to them. Even those we might call our enemies. Because when we pay attention to their concerns and their worries and try to understand why they think the way they think, why they feel the way they feel, when we consider what we might be able to do to help, to alleviate the things that cause this division and the suspicion. And if we can do that before we get to a point where war is even a consideration, then surely that's a good thing. We're called to work for righteousness, to call out self-interest and greed, the abuse of power and the stigmatization of the weak and the powerless and the marginalized. Today, as we stand among the memory of the fallen, we must seek what is good. Today, as we stand quietly, we must hear hope, a hope that lies unspoken in the silence deep enough to hold their sacrifice. The hope that in their giving of self for another, we might live in righteousness. Today, as we gather in the name of the fallen, may we turn from the worst of our humanity towards the best of it. Found in the sacrifice of those we remember and shape a justice that bears the cost of such good. In love and in hope, may our poppies hold faith in the dead and their daring vision that this would never happen again. Those people who chose to act to end all war, that we might not be haunted by fear of the future or memories of the past. And may we be gracious in our remembrance and hold faith with them all. May we rise from the solemn moments of today from grief and regret into a living filled with hope. Expensive though that is, for the silence of remembrance must one day break. Break with the laughter of children living in a world of peace. So may we no longer sing war's gathering songs that beat with rumor and worry, threatening that war may yet again arise. May we sing the songs shaped by those whose hope was greater, those whose voices are no longer heard, those whose love sounds louder than fear. And let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. 
If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.